listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Thank you for listening. The Infinite Smile Sangha is made possible by the generosity of friends, members, and people who have been touched by this teaching. Please visit our donations page at infinitesmile.org to help us continue our efforts in spreading the Dharma. So we've spoken about how our practice tends to follow along uh, a certain very, very rudimentary, very, very, I'm painting with broad brush strokes, obviously, but we, we begin to recognize, we begin to resist, and then through that resistance we begin to release. This is very common with any spiritual, any spiritual tradition, although traditions have a tendency to put us into resistance patterns by claiming certain uh, truths or rectitudes or we're right, they're wrong type thing. And that tends to keep us in resistance. And getting to that next level of release is recognizing the truth in all things. And that's no easy task, especially when we have cultivated minds that are all about achievement, all about learning things, all about making sure that you know we have that extra knowledge. We're right. And being able to be really comfortable with not knowing, not that you're wrong, but that you really don't know. Finding real comfort in that space is what allows for a tremendous amount of uh, movement and uh, the movement I'm talking about is, is it's almost like we have a new facile nature. We, we're, not, we're no longer rigid. We're much more, we're more flexible. And because we're more flexible, what you might previously have seen or valued as an analytical mind becomes a mind that is actually deeply open and affected by the world. And as a result, it can, can then affect change in the world, but not until then. It is not, I mean, certainly there have been people who have helped change the world that have been very, very caught, very, very attached, they cling, no doubt, but there in no uncertain terms has been so much harm that has come through clinging to a value set or something you believe to be true or someone believes to be true and then fighting for that truth as if it were truth. This can get confusing because egos want to know about truth. Egos want to know the facts. Egos want things fair and balanced so you can decide. Egos want everything unbiased. And there is no such thing Okay, There's no such thing as anything that is unbiased. We all act as filters. Giant organization act, uh, can act as uh, collectivized filters and so forth, and they give us certain stuff, and we then have to be able to interpret. And as information uh, and communication is beginning to speed up, it can get really, really seductive to minds that want to know. 
none of this is necessarily bad. But the place where most contemporary human beings find themselves is in a hyper-confusing space of hyper-inundation of information. And we want to make sense of this chaos, so we look for the things that resonate and then grab them and hold on for dear life. And this can get in our way. Rather, it makes a lot of sense to wonder about what's right. This doesn't mean you can't make a commitment to anything. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't you know, stand up in the face of injustice or anything like that. Of course, do, do all those things. You see something on the television that inspires compassionate action, it's done its job. The universe in any moment gives us precisely what we need to awaken every moment. And some of us are going to clue into that The one little tidbit that uh, I can throw your way is that enlightenment is absolutely not what you think it is. It's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than what you can think. The space between our thoughts is actually vast. Our thoughts arise within that space. So therefore, the space between our thoughts, the more familiar we get with it, we realize it's actually the source of all of our thoughts. That all of our thoughts spring from that source rather miraculously. It's as if, I mean, you can look at it, think if to, to give you a visual metaphor, it's as if this, this giant, placid pool that is just spans in all directions, limitlessly, has a little bubble that comes up that's a thought. And these thoughts that arise, that are within our awareness, while our true nature is of that oceanic, still lake, or whatever you want to call it, a lake without boundary, we tend to identify with the thoughts and think they are what we are. Bloop, college graduate. I'm a college graduate. Bloop, oh, I'm a father. Bloop, I have a job. Bloop, new car. You know, whatever. And what we do is we hang on to these these, uh, deeply transient blips that come out of the infinite and we mistake them for who we are. When in fact who we are is at the source of those thoughts. So what I really want to do is encourage you to play in that space. Begin to recognize that there is a vast spaciousness beyond thinking. And to push you a little harder, what else is born out of that space, out of that, out of that, that giant oceanic expanse? What else is born out of that? Time. Any, if you, if you have ever been able to recognize the passage of time, you know, if you've ever been able to recognize past or future, 
which I'm sure you have. And if you, if you haven't, take a second. Think of something in your past. Think of something in your future. If time can arise and you can be aware of time, and then the concept of time begins to fall away, a memory falls away, a future plan falls away, and then there's that vast open space. Where is time in that vast open space? That vast open space is what is always already here. And we have a name for it. We call it the present moment. We call it now. It is the now. So what we're doing here is we're not only recognizing our thoughts, our mind, if you will. We're watching our mind do its play, do its thing. We're also watching time fuel every bit of our mind's activity. Space between our thoughts is actually a step into the timeless. And when we are stepping into the timeless, suddenly we are also meeting what you might very easily call eternity. And it's not that it's eternal as in like it lasts forever and ever and ever. It's eternal in that it's it's before or prior to time. Just like this oce oceanic expanse is prior to thought, it is also prior to time. And if you are in a space where you can become immersed, filled, and dripping with this expanse that is beyond time and beyond the constraints of mind, you are free. You're also free to meet the world. You're free to go have really good pizza and beer. You are free to go watch the kids play on the jungle gym and let them crack you up as you watch them fight over things or whatever it is. You are absolutely free to go to your job or to look for a new one. You're absolutely free to look at the beloved that you may or may not have in your life and recognize that they are not separate from you just like the little kids are not separate from you. Just like everything is connected. Everything is within this oceanic awareness. Everything, therefore, is within you. You are all things. All things are you. You are a reflection of everyone else. There's no such thing as someone else being the problem as much as it is someone else is reminding you of a disturbance within this vast field of ocean. Everything starts to shift and turn in that space. And while I know this may sound kind of esoteric and so forth, it's really about the most simple thing there is. There's a, uh, the Zen, um, in the Zen tradition, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, a little discussion of this particular priest <laughs> His name was uh, priest. His his name was Master Judy, and I could never help. Uh, at, at one point, I, I had to read this over and over again because we were we were we were doing it doing this in a in a, a class where we were kind of studying this, and I always wanted to say Master Judy's name like Cary Grant. <laughs> Judy, Judy, Judy. 
what was it that <laughs> what was it that he did when asked a question of the Dharma or something like that? He would hold up one finger. Did you ever see City Slickers? Jack Palance? Mm -hmm. They ask him, hey, what, rah, rah, you know, they're asking him some question, I forget what it was. And Palance, in that crazed kind of stare, smirk that he had, just raised his finger. It was, def it was an allusion to this Master Judy. <laughs> it's all one thing. It's all one thing. That's a rather radical notion. We have all of this apparatus that suggests that there is a self in here and everything else out there. But in the, the, at the core of the uh, of awake, uh, teachings of awakening, we recognize that all things that arise, whatever they may be, all things are what we call in Buddhism, all dharmas arise to create this self. The self is a very beautiful thing. But it's not the whole story. Yourself, if you will, can go in one of two, two spaces. It, it's either a small self or it's a big self. And the big self is a self that recognizes its oceanic core. The big self lets its intentions fly from that oceanic expanse. And it doesn't get kind of uh, uh, diminished by small self wants, small self clinging. The big self doesn't cling because it doesn't need to. It's already got everything within it. There's nothing that it doesn't have. It is, it is the soft and quiet expression of abundance. And from that space, that big self space, we start having this deep generosity begins to infuse uh, greed. Listening starts to infuse the speaking. Tenderness starts to infuse violence. Compassion and wisdom begin to reign. And that doesn't mean that we go away. Spiritual couch potatoes not allowed. We actually engage in the world very, very consciously from that space. We can't help it. We can't help it. I should change that. Because I think there are lots of people actually, once, the, once they're at that, um, once they're at that space of kind of that, that infinite recognition, if you will, they want to stay there because it feels so good. Oh, nothing matters. Nothing matters except everything. So our practice can mature then from that place, that kind of that, that, that recognition of we're all one thing into a place of we're all so many. And while it is all one thing, it's critical that it, we integrate that understanding or that recognition or that aspect of wisdom, of unity, of the deep singularity, that we integrate that into then we're all God's children. We're all, we're all in this together. And we are able to meet that from a much deeper place that is not divided 
It's never threatened. It's open. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that everything's okay. You know? Oh, well, since I'm enlightened, I will stick out this horrific marriage that I'm in. That would be a huge, huge error. That would actually be the small self thinking it's awake, making a decision not to face what's real, perhaps. Just an idea. But it's just uh, one of these things you really need to kind of start... Uh, you, you don't need to do this. You, you really start to very naturally kind of... You start surfing. Have you ever noticed how, how surfers, they have a very, very uh, uh, keen sense about when the wave's done, generally? It's beautiful watching a cutout off of a, off of a wave. You know, they ride it, and then it's like, they surf for a little bit, and then it's like, okay, done. Or it could be like the way I surf, which is to get pounded every, by every single wave. Um, <laughs> I'm just not a very good surfer. You know, I can swim, I can catch the wave, and then it's just, it's, it's a horrific experience. You hear screaming out on the uh, beach. It's, it's horrible. I'll invite you next time I go. <laughs> but, joking aside, um, we begin to see that uh, there's more to the story. It's more than just one thing. It is also many. Integrating th those two things, we recognize our Buddha nature. We recognize our Christ consciousness. We, uh, we decide to go deeper. We get bored with the way it's always been going. And we decide to take everything a little deeper. And this is a really exciting part of the practice. Because this is the point where instead of resistance we go into release. But we go into release totally. We're not trying to test the waters. We're going for it. So my wish is that you all go for it. Your cells know about time? Mm -hmm. No, they don't. <laughs> well, what I mean by Your that cells are always now. But they're changing over time. Oh, sure, there's change. Right. But change is, the, to quote Nietzsche, is the only constant. You're going to have change no matter what, right? But it seems to be tied to time. That the change occurs within the context of time. You're right. So that's why um, I don't. I guess I'm confused about what you're trying to. Have you ever? About have you ever observed change? Yes. That which is observing change yes. doesn't change. But then 
the observe the, that which is observing and right. eventually is changes to it can no longer observe it dies that's only that's only if you believe it's within your body only that once you die once you die there's no more awareness and this is where it gets real kind of tricky I don't remember a past life. I have no idea if there's reincarnation. I don't quite care, to be honest with you. Okay? I think it gets in the way for many people. Many people who cling to the idea of reincarnation get lost on a path of, of, of just major blocks towards, towards awakening. But as, as you and I are discussing, and I, I too am feeling the... Uh, you know, as I, something happened for me, it was at, uh, is at 38, everything was like going, I, I couldn't believe, I'm like, my God, I am, I am still a young buck. And then at 38, it's like everything kind of started falling apart. It was very, very interesting. Now, my awareness of all of that shifting hasn't changed since I can remember, just since my earliest memory. That awareness has never changed. So why would it change ever. It's never shifted. It's always just been this open field of awareness. So the body that you and I, sh you know, you have a body, I have a body, everybody else has a body, that will go. Definitely. We will all die. We will become worm food. Okay? But rather than letting that depress us, what we can begin to do is witness the change that witnessing of change is not touched by change. That's the open oceanic field I'm kind of talking about. And so as we can get closer and more intimate and more intimate with that fundamental aspect, that essence of who we are, suddenly all those things about us that do move in the world take a qualitatively different angle on things. So this work isn't about making you feel better necessarily or, or you know, easing the pain of, of age. It's about changing our relationship to all those things we are clinging to. And one of the things we cling to is time. Those of us that are obsessed with past events tend to live lives as victims. Those of us that are obsessed with future events tend to have very high blood pressure and stress over things that haven't happened yet. So, pulling back from both of those extremes into a space of it's always now for these cells and everything else. It's always now. It's never not now. And once that realization kind of starts to permeate and percolate, the attachment we have to time begins to diminish. And miraculously, if we can stop attaching and clinging to future and past, guess what? Ego doesn't stand a chance. Because the ego's blood is time. It cannot exist without time. Food for thought. <laughs> yes? Michael, um, you mentioned the times we live in now, almost the hyper-information, mm -hmm. communication. Is it harder now to do the practice and so forth, do you think? And it ever has been, and what's it you know, going into the future, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I I think that um I think that there are as many opportunities now to awaken to the timeless 
as there ever have been. I think the cool thing is, because information is such, more people have the chance to get exposed to the teaching, whatever form it takes. And therefore, I think we can look forward to a much deeper recognition of the truth that is beyond name and form among people from all over the planet. If you think about what the internet is, I mean, the internet ultimately is a, it, talk about interconnection, you know, it's a manifestation of what's always already been here at a subatomic level, and now we're just letting that kind of move on into the world of form. Uh, what is it going to look like? Who knows? But what I can tell you is, enlightenment, while the experience of enlightenment or unity consciousness, or whatever you want to call it, has been the same, most likely, since the beginning of time, for any mystic, you know, they have this pop. And it's very, it, there are certain commonalities that, uh, that, that they seem to share. The context of those awakenings have occurred in cultural settings that have meant that they are not the same. Meaning, the awakening experience, the, the awakening to truth is always the same, but their meaning, what enlightenment means, has been shifting over time. Does that kind of make sense? And that's fascinating because you can look at someone who might have, like for instance, the, you know, the Buddha uh, or, or anybody else uh, who might have had this radical experience of, of, you know, uh, of the deep singularity and whatnot. Now, what would they have to say about, uh, what would they have to say about black holes? Nothing. Okay, because it's it's off it's off the radar. Okay, uh, the the radar has has broadened. There's more stuff now to help us let the application of awakening broaden continually. And I can't see that that trajectory goes anywhere but more and more. I mean that the 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 delta was just going to keep shifting more and more and more. Here's the awakening experience. Here's its context and meaning. Boom. It just becomes deeper and deeper and deeper. So for that, I'm very thankful for Twitter and Facebook and the web and podcasts and everything else. Um, I, just, I just hope we don't get seduced by the candy of spirituality. I think that's always going to be kind of the big, th the way I see it at least. And what, what do I mean by candy? It's that, oh my God, I, I noticed when I meditate, I always feel better. I think I'll meditate because I'll feel better. That's totally important, but that's like step one. If people are doing this practice so that they can feel better, we're going to miss something. If people are doing this practice because it helps broaden their consciousness, it allows them to be more and more and more and more present, then we're on to something. Thank you. You're welcome. Bubbles that are our thoughts. It seems that, you know, by extension, that that we ourselves are bubbles. Uh, Pop. And I'm wondering. <laughs> ouch. Uh, <laughs> it seems also that there that in order to be able to to practice, that we need some quality of 
well, some ability to be aware that, that there's some ability, some requirement that, that to be able to practice. Yeah. And I see that 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 itself can be transitory. So that that's kind of a baffling thing to me. Like when people age, or or an animal does does an animal have? It doesn't seem to me that that an animal can become awakened. That there's some kind of a a quality that we need. Frontal lobe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But is is this like our chance? And then you know the the t chance itself to awaken is is something that we won't always have. So do you want my opinion on that one? Sure. Yeah, get busy. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're really lucky. We're really lucky. Because <laughs> every single one of us on this earth, in this moment, has this really cool chance. And um, some are going to take it. Some are going to take it. I'm interested in them. Uh... And some are going to go as far as they can, and, and so forth, and their egos will manage most of the experience, and so forth. But there are going to be there are going to be those precious few who decide, I'm really, this is the most important thing. This is more important than anything else. It's to, it's this freedom because this freedom, actually, everything unfolds from there. My relationships to everybody that I know and love are enhanced by this goal. Uh, yeah, you do have to have some. You do have to have some ability. You also have to have some discipline. Yeah, and that's that's scary. I think I think that's where lots of egos just kind of say goodbye, you know. And I always, and this may be like a rather amazing flaw of mine as a teacher. Um, I don't know that I that I really blend those two things of, of the, the tempered steel of cutting through delusion and then the, the, the malleability of the handle that you need to use to be able to grab the sword. I, 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 sometimes I think I go overboard one way or the other, probably on the side of the sword. Um, but this is serious business. And, and we, have to, we have to want it enough that the wanting itself, like a snake devouring its own tail, takes us into a space of, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Right? We, are, we become the 23rd Psalm. You know? <laughs> and that probably doesn't answer you at all. <laughs> but, but it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating thing. Yeah, we have to, we have to uh, strike this balance of really wanting this and and at the same time being you know and having steel having a spine in this process and also being being gentle to a point something you said um, made me realize that one of the things that I do is I kind of leave myself time that you know I have enough time to be able to so yeah so far I only meditate on Monday nights and right well Every time I make this excuse of, well, you know, I'll do it later in the day, and then, then it's tomorrow. Right. Um, I expect at some point that'll change, but it hasn't yet. Yeah, when you're ready. 
but I'm I'm starting to realize that I don't I don't have an unlimited amount of time. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Get busy. Yeah. <laughs> Sergio. Very curious about if you could elaborate a little bit more. When I have heard that many times in many teachings is this aspect that you know the universal or God will provide the right the right experience for you in each moment. It, it, I, I kind of feel in my own experience the grace of the divine in my life. And I, I really like to have a God like that, that every moment, no, giving and giving and giving. But I found, I, I, I doubt that. Mm -hmm. I doubt that. Uh, I, I kind of feel that's more a general rule, you know? Mm -hmm. It is, you're going to get earth and take care of it or something like that. Uh, so you, I want to make sure I'm clear, you, you, you want to feel... Good. No, no, I think the question is more like, no, how come that God is taking care of the little guy in the corner of the universe and giving him the, the experience that they really need, each, each of us? You know, that aspect of, well, each moment is perfect on it. In one sense, I feel that there is, but the other, I, I doubt to have both. Oh. both. Yeah. Uh, well, the, that in you which doubts is in that place of resistance I was talking about. And the resistance, resistance is the home of ego. If you can feel that resistance, that's its skin. That's the ego's skin right there. Okay? And I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying that that's precisely what gets in the way of recognizing that God is giving you everything you need in every moment. And it's not to say don't doubt. Go for it. Doubt. Doubt all that you can. Clinging to that doubt will prevent anything from happening. But then study the clinging. And the minute you can do that, the minute you can study the clinging, the minute you can study the resistance, you can then begin to create this space. You recognize that that division that you were talking about takes on a, a totally different form because it's within you you start realizing, oh my goodness, that in me which recognizes the resistance is not resisting. The freedom and peace and non-division is within me. It is within my experience. Therefore, all this resistance, all this doubt is bloop, just a bubble. So, did you order that? <laughs> That's good. Giant mosquito hawk. When that happens, we start to recognize that there's never a moment that is not a total offering. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> Lenny, do you have a question? Or just oh okay. That was a fake? You're faking me out right there. Thank you so much for coming tonight. I appreciate it.